Put a little music on just uh Really, it's rude, isn't it, of me to do this? Does anyone else want a banana? I've got a couple extra. Anyone want a banana? I knew you would. Okay, boys, I'll let both of you have a banana. Did you get them peeled yet? What? Can we cut the mute? What? What's the problem? They're fake. They're plastic bananas. I guess I could bring the rest of this one up to you, but I'm not or out to you, but I'm not going to. Uh, uh, you noticed immediately, I guess. I don't know. You guys are pretty smart boys, so I don't know if Jack got as quickly as you did, Don. But um, but you noticed immediately that they're that that they weren't real. They were plastic. They 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 weren't they weren't the real thing. They looked looked like bananas. I fooled you there. They were the right color, the right size, the right texture. Kind of looked like a banana, but it it really was. It wasn't. It was plastic. Uh, we're in James, and this morning we're going to kind of start a two two sermon uh, series w- within James. We're going to kind of talk about the the setup, and then next week is going to be more application. Next week is going to be okay. Th- th- if this is true, then what do we do about it? Uh, type stuff for next week. So, but what you what we see in James chapter two, uh, verses fourteen down through the end of the chapter, what we kind of see there is. That James is talking about, uh, what if you have a faith that's not real? What if you have a faith that is, that is plastic? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 14 uh, through the end of the chapter, verse 26. And I'm going to try to go quick this morning, plan on just a short sermon with all the other stuff that we have going on today. So I'm not going to read that whole section. I'm just going to read part of it. I'll, I'll trust you to read the rest of it as you're reading through, uh, as some of you have been, encourage all of you to be reading through the book of James. So let's start in James chapter 2, verse 14. Here, here James says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Now, let me stop there for just a second. I'm going to read a couple more verses. So, some people struggle with the book of James, and when they do, the the theologians that debate this back and forth, I, I, I've never had a problem with it, but theologians sometimes debate this back and forth, and, and here's where they struggle. What did James mean when he said, can such faith change, or can such faith save you? Is James here suggesting that we're saved by our actions or, or our deeds? Is he contradicting what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 12, where Paul said, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, this not of yourself, it is a free gift of God, not by work, so that no man could be, uh, so that no man can boast. Is James here preaching a different gospel? Is he somehow saying that that our our salvation is tied to what we do to to our works and our, our activities? Not not at all, not at all. He he simply is pointing out here that faith, our faith and our actions intersect. Uh, the ones who are quick to point out uh, Ephesians chapter 2 where we're saying we're not saved by works. Sometimes forget the next verse there in Ephesians where Paul says, for, it's by, for we are God's workmanship created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So so we're going to be looking at these verses over the next couple of weeks. Let me finish up uh, and read a little bit more on, the, on uh, that text. What good is my brothers if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says, go, I wish you well, be warm 
and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, if it's not accompanied by deeds, if it's not accompanied by something else going on, is dead. I'm going to look at at four quick things here this morning. Here's the first thing. A plastic faith, if our faith is not real, but but it's somewhat plastic, a a plastic faith has no value. Remember that we, we talked earlier in the series on James that, that he's been addressing in this church several issues. Some of the issues that he has addressed uh, must, must have been a, a problem with unity in the church. The, he, he said that they need to be slow to speak or quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to became, uh, become angry. He, he's talked already two times, and we're going to look at a third time here in a couple weeks about controlling our tongue. Uh, obviously, there were issues in this church of conflict and sin. But also remember where this church came from. Remember where these people came from. We mentioned that last week, and Mary Jane had the answer for that. The, 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 these people came from a place of persecution. They became believers probably in Jerusalem and, and had to flee for their, their lives. And this is where they were now. They So, so their faith had been real. Their faith had been Strong, it had been life-saving or life-changing, even to the point of them being persecuted. And yet James seems to be addressing elemental problems in the church. Quite honestly, let's just, let's just be true about it. Elemental problems that are, are true probably in about every church, at least in churches in America. Why? Well, they'd taken their eyes off Jesus. I don't know how it happened, when it happened, what was what was the, the 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 reasons behind it? But somewhere along, they'd taken their eyes off Jesus, and James is here calling them back to that faith that they once had. He's calling them back to a faith that that at the very start had been proven by their actions, had been shown by their actions, uh, a faith that 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 they weren't saved by doing things, but they were 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 shown to be doing things by their faith. So a plastic faith has no value, but there is, we see here, there is a, there's a godly coupling. We'll talk a, a lot more about this next week. There's a godly coupling between faith and deeds, between faith and action. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I grew up about, probably about 60 feet from a railroad tracks. Uh, there's railroad tracks that went through my, my hometown of Woodlawn, Illinois. Craig, Craig and Kim visited my hometown uh, this summer. They sent me a picture outside Woodlawn Christian Church and said, "Hey, do you recognize it?" So, Craig, you guys crossed those railroad tracks. Uh, those those went right by, probably fifty to sixty feet from my house. So, so I grew up with trains. They're not going through town nearly as much as they used to. But when I was a kid, there were trains constantly going through town, and oftentimes the trains would stop right in town, and and they would have to sit there sometimes for hours on end. And when they did that, they would have to break the coupling. They would break the train in parts. There were four crossings through my hometown, and they would have to open up at least two of those crossings so traffic could get from from one side of, of uh, the tracks to the other. Uh, otherwise, they, you literally would have had driven miles and miles around. So I was used to seeing and hearing the sounds of trains coupling and uncoupling. It It's kind of an amazing thing when you think about it that those trains are held together by a coupling system and I wish I knew more uh, uh, about this but 
but the couplers that that fit together something like that uh and and the engine is coupled to the next car behind it. Oftentimes, it's actually another engine, but but it's it's coupled to the one behind it, which is coupled to the one behind it, behind it, behind it, behind it, till you have a whole train. And at the end, there's a caboose, or at least there used to be. They don't have them anymore. But but when I was a kid, there were cabooses, and they're all held together by this coupling of one car to the other. James here is is talking about a a godly coupling of faith and action. And, and and if they're not together, then our faith is of no value. It's it's a plastic faith. See, see, it has no value. There has to be a godly completion. Now, I want you to notice, I didn't read all these verses. You'll see them if you follow through them. Notice what, what James says about, about this idea of faith that's not coupled with action. In verse 14, he says, can such faith save you? In verse 17, he says, that kind of faith is dead. In verse 19, he compares that kind of faith to, to, to demons. Demons have that kind of faith. In verse 20, he says, that kind of faith is useless. And again, in verse 26, he says, that kind of faith is dead. Are you starting to get the idea? Are you starting to, are you starting to get a, a sense? Are you picking up on an idea here that, that somehow our faith should have a connection to, a coupling to action. Now, let me ask this question, uh, just by show of hands. How many here this morning, how many here this morning have faith? How many have, just go ahead, everyone, write, this is not a trick, raise your hands. Uh, I assume most of you, I can't tell, but I, hopefully all of you raise your hands. So, so we have faith. Uh, James is talking about a pivotal idea here that we need to have something happen because of that faith. James uh, Nystrom says this, Can authentic faith find expression in a confession of right doctrine alone? In other words, can, can, faith, uh, can faith find its expression only in believing the right stuff and having your ducks in a row as far as theology? Can authentic faith be expect, expressed merely as a sentiment that never reaches the point of action? Or is it by necessity a faith that goes beyond these to include, include personal action? See, a plastic faith has no value unless it's coupled with and completed by action. Uh, a, a plastic faith is a plastic faith is decorative. Now, let me ask this question. Uh, I kind of hope no one can answer the first part with an affirmative because I might get myself in trouble. Um, and I meant to say this earlier, just so uh, there's no misunderstanding. All the babies up here were beautiful. Uh, all of them. Are, so, some of you know the story behind that, but they were all beautiful. Uh, so I may get myself in more trouble on this next one. But d- does anyone? I'll ask this one. Does anyone in their house have a bowl of plastic fruit? Does anyone? Does anyone remember or know, maybe your mom, your grandmother, you've been somewhere where someone had a bowl of plastic fruit in their house? Anyone? All right, a lot more hands on that. I guess it's not as, uh, not as popular as it once was. Uh, can I ask this question, why? Why would you have a bowl of plastic fruit? Let, let me toss it out this way. Why not have a bowl of plastic little Debbies? 
Now, I'm not a fan of Little Debbie's. In fact, when I eat a Little Debbie snack cake, to me it tastes like plastic. But, but some people love them. Why not have a bowl of plastic candy bars? Why not have, <clears throat> excuse me, why not have a bowl of plastic M&M's? I could see my com- myself coming into your house and, whoa, peanut M&M's and reaching in. And you're like, no, 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 they're plastic. Why not, why not have a bowl of plastic fill in the blank? What, what someone tell me something, uh, <laughs> plastic. I don't, even if real steak, that would be a little odd if you saw real steak. In a, unless it was supper time. Someone else saw it. Hamburgers. Okay, we're on the meat. Money. Oh, there you go. That's even, hey, I like the way you think there. Okay, I'll give you one more. Someone else. Oh, she got shy all of a sudden. So, so why, why, why plastic fruit? My, my only, and I'm, I'm speculating here. My only guess is that people had bowl, your grandma had a bowl of plastic fruit uh, be, because it, it, it somehow said, I'm healthy. I have healthy stuff here in my house. Uh, see, uh, a, a bowl of a, a plastic fruit uh, says I'm healthy. A bowl of Snickers doesn't. Uh, a, a bowl with apples and oranges and bananas says, hey, I'm healthy, but a bowl of Skittles doesn't say that. Now, now actually, kind of contrast, some people actually have bowls of real fruit in their house. You might have that somewhere, or, or, or sometimes we have a bowl of candy bars in our house. We, shouldn't do, we don't do that much anymore. But, uh, but see, a, a plastic, a, a plastic fruit, it, it's, it's decorative, but I guess it's kind of saying, hey, look, I have fruit. A, a plastic faith. One that uh, that James describes this way: What good is it? A plastic faith is decorative. It, I, I guess, it's somehow saying I'm spiritually healthy. I remember having a conversation. It's been several years ago now with a guy named Tim that lived in Rushville, and I no, I wasn't talking to myself. Another guy named Tim. I was talking to him about church, and 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 I remember his. I remember what he said, because I, I didn't know his background really church-wise. And I remember he said, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I believe. And then he said, you know, I, I know I, I haven't come to church as much as I should. And I didn't say it, because I'm pretty diplomatic on things like that. I wanted to say, Tim, I've been here 15 years, and I've not seen you in the church one time. So I guess you're accurate when you say I've not come to church as much as I should. But, but I don't think James here is talking about people like Tim or other people that maybe you've run across. I think he's talking to the church here. He's talking to us. So he's talking to the people that are here. He's talking to the Christians that would have gathered to, to hear this letter read. Um, and he's tossing out that idea, is your faith real, or is it, is it just decorative? Are, are, you, are you throwing out your faith to say, look, I'm spiritually healthy? Uh, I, I'm doing all the right stuff. I'm saying all the right things. I'm going to the right, the right services. Uh, look, I must be spiritual healthy, right? I'm doing the right things. Uh, I, I, I guess maybe the only other thing I can see of putting a bowl of plastic fruit out is, is uh, that, that kind of looks nice. nice. So it's kind of like, hey, look, see my face. See, uh, on a spiritual side, uh, uh, the bowl of fruit, it's colorful, and it looks nice, and it's pretty, I guess, and, and uh 
and maybe a plastic faith that's decorative. As one of us say, see my faith, it's nice, it's cool, it's together. A, a, a plastic faith, a plastic faith it's, is cheap. It's, it's a small investment. Although I bought a little bag of plastic bananas that cost me 10 bucks at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> but the truth is, those will last forever. Or if I get those two that I gave uh, Jack and Don back, I'm going to put them back in the bag and return them to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Let me know if that's wrong for me to do that. <laughs> then I won't tell you if I did for sure. Uh, <laughs> plastic faith doesn't cost us much. I wonder if James, I wonder if James wasn't trying to remind them that, hey, hey, remember back. Remember back, your faith costs you. Now, when you first put your trust in Jesus, it cost you something. Now, 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 even before they had to flee, it, it cost them. They, they were, they were the early church in Jerusalem. We're told from the Book of Acts, man, they were meeting the needs of people. If someone had a need, it was always taken care of, and people were selling property and bringing the money and putting it at the the apostles' feet. And man, they, no one had a need. It said in the whole early church, and that. That included women and children, orphans that he talked about back in chapter 1. Orphans and widows that had no one to take care of. The church was doing that, was taking care of <coughs> excuse me, those situations because they saw it. So, so he's, I think, tying back, saying, remember, you're, you had an investment before. Uh, what's going on now? What's, what's happening? See, a plastic faith doesn't uh, cost much. It's a small, it's a small investment. Now, can I, I'm just going to toss this one out there. Can, can I give us a, comp, uh, a compliment, uh, and hopefully don't, don't, get, don't gloat over this too much, but I uh, had this happen in the last couple of weeks and just made me think of our church here uh, at Troy. Uh, I, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and uh, we were just talking about how churches were going, I saw him how things were going here and what was happening. He was telling me about what things were going on where he was at. And he just made a comment that tenants had kind of waned a little bit. And he said, boy, you can tell when the Chiefs play at home. If the Chiefs have a, a, a 12 o'clock kickoff, our attendance is really down. And, and I, you, know, you know what I thought? I thought, what? Because, I, I, you know, that, they play at 7 tonight, so it doesn't play us today. But I'm like, now, now some, some of you rush out on, 12 o'clock kickoffs, you just say hi and zip right on by, say greet us in and, and bypass me altogether. But, um, but man, I, you know, really, we, you suffer because the Chiefs play at noon? Uh, I've, I've grown up with lots of churches that if uh, rain was forecasted on Saturday night, you could just guess that church attendance was going to be down Sunday morning. Certainly, if snow was forecast, you could guess that. And, you know, that's not really the case here. And so, so pat, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit that we have some investment uh, in what's going on. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, says this, cheap grace means grace as a doctrine, a principle, a system. It means forgiveness of sins proclaimed as a general truth, the love of God taught as a Christian conception of God. An intellectual assent to that idea is held to be by itself sufficient to secure remission of sins. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus, living and incarnate. If uh, 
if our faith is plastic, if it's if we're not invested in it, then it doesn't cost much. It's pretty cheap. And uh, and 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 when that happens, there's small reward too. There's small reward. James James doesn't say this in direct terms, but I have a feeling the church picked up on it. They they caught the idea. They understood that uh, that that there was little reward when they weren't living like Jesus had called them to live. When they weren't serving, when they weren't giving, when they weren't meeting needs, then their reward was small as well. When when there was conflict, when they didn't have joy, when they didn't live with service, when they'd taken their eyes off of Jesus and instead put their eyes on themselves, their, their faith had become plastic and they'd lost their reward. I, I love... I love seeing people. I love seeing the joy and the fulfillment that people have when they've served the Lord. Whether whether it's a mission trip or serving a meal at a funeral dinner or or at a community event or going to Children's Mercy and serving those families that find themselves in crisis or going to Haven House on our Mondays, I love to see the joy and fulfillment that people have when our faith is coupled with action. When we give something that isn't cheap, that isn't easy, and we receive from that award. And finally, a plastic faith uh, is a faith that doesn't change us. It's a faith that doesn't change us. Johnny, you guys can come on up. Uh, we'll look a little bit more about this last uh, or next week and talk about what the application, how it really hits us, what, what this should look like as we... As we look at ourselves and we decide, is my faith real? Is it plastic? Am I really doing what I should do? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. R- Reed and I have a friend named Lisa. Lisa is a, is, is a neat lady. We love Lisa and her husband, Kelly. Lisa is a college-educated lady. She has uh, taught school for, well, she's retired tw- twice from teaching school. She's taught school for years and years and just uh, educated and a lovely lady. Just has a heart for Jesus and a heart for service. I love Lisa. We love Lisa. We found out a couple years ago at a Royals game that Lisa is afraid of escalators. Anyone here afraid of escalators? No one? Huh? In case you didn't hear Rita, she said, she will kill me. She's going to tell me. So. <laughs> I didn't give her last name. No one, well, you guys in the back know, or a couple of us. Uh, you, Chad, you know who I'm talking about probably. But uh, <laughs> Lisa's afraid. So, so we were at a Royals game. We got tickets from Kelly, and we were, we were going through the concourse, and our, our tickets were up a, a little ways. And so instead of walking around that little circle that you have to walk in circles all the way up, we came to the escalator that takes you up there. I mean, in two seconds, you're up the top. And we came to that, and I think Rita got there. Rita and I got there, and we're about ready to get on. And Kelly's kind of saying something. We look back, and Lisa's eyes are really big, and, and she's, she's hesitating. We had no idea. And Kelly's like, Lisa doesn't like escalators. Of course, I was very diplomatic, and I did not make fun of her. Yeah, okay, I'm lying. <laughs> Lisa, you know. So we got on the escalator, and it literally was kind of that little bit of that scene uh, from the movie Elf, you know, when he gets on the escalator. She was a little bit like like that. It's like she started, you know, it's like jumping off a, 
you know, off a high dive or something. She, you know, she hesitated. And, and then she got on, and she was stiff as a board all the way up. Now, I want, I want to point something out. Lisa had faith. She had faith that the escalator would take her to the top. She had faith that the escalator was safe. She believed that the escalator was not going to harm her. She be- and, and I don't know where her fear came from. I don't know if it's that end where the, the step disappears. and uh, You know, I, I don't know what... It, but 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 she had faith that she was going to be able to get off on the top and nothing was going to be wrong. But for some reason, there was a fear there. I, I don't know where it came from, but there was a fear there. Now, now, she could say all day long, I have faith that that escalator is going to get, I have faith that there's nothing bad is going to happen. But show me your faith. For us, it was no big deal to jump on an escalator. For you, it's no big deal. But it was an act of faith for her to step onto an escalator. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith? It is, is your faith plastic? Well, well, I've got some good news. He's, he's going to talk a little about it. He's going to share with us how we can make sure that our faith is genuine and is real and is, is what he wants us to have. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you've called us to be your ambassadors. You've called us to be the ones to share your word. You've called us to be the ones that show what it means to be followers. Father, we pray that you can help each of us examine ourselves closely and make sure that we're the real deal. Father, make sure our faith is in tune with what you want us to be, uh, that we we are active and we are alive and we are full of deeds of, of mercy and love and compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?